You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. It's good to be here. The house that I grew up in. Some of you didn't know that, but uh, this is where I grew up. Maybe not in this place, but with some of you, the people, the church. And it's good to be back. Really good. Mum and Dad send their love. They're cruising right now, literally, and uh, having a good time. I don't know where my message is. It's in Docs to Go. Where do, where do I find that? Usually just pops up and it's there. I'm going to do the double click. That'll work. So, yeah, Mum and Dad are send their, their love and blessing, and um, it's, it's wonderful to be here. What an honor! put the son-in-law in the pulpit when they're away. That's so dangerous, Dad. My goodness, stop the podcast. I'm going to have some fun. i just kidding. I would not do that. I would not do that. Hey, uh, as Nate said, thank you, Van. Um, uh, this Tuesday night, we've got our first gathering for the year, and uh, I'd love you to come and join us. I, I love those nights. There's such wonderful power and coming together and just lifting up the name of Jesus, praying together. I mean, that, that's where miracles take place, right? That's something where, that's a moment where something happens and your life turns around and it gets better. So please come seven o'clock and, and be together. Not, not for any speaker, not for any uh, worship or, or anything, but just to be together. That's how the church started. It was about people being together with Him. All right? Let's never change that. That's the most important thing. And even with spirit and truth, that's going to be wonderful having uh, Aaron and Kristen as some of our best friends uh, there. But more importantly, again, it's about unity together. And uh, even with us gathering together as a network, again, you know, I felt last year, I'm like, we're in this wonderful city, the, the the best time I've ever seen our city. Like it's, it's so exciting, but we as C3 Church in this city, we're all called to reach the same city. So I had this feeling, I'm like, we should just do it together, right? Place is too small to be kind of doing our own thing. It's too big not to. So uh, they're, they're going to be beautiful moments throughout this year where we're going to gather together and, and we're gathering together because uh, we want to see his kingdom expanded. Amen. Awesome. Well, it's good to be here. Revolutionaries. There you go. It's great to bring the first message. Man, we live, we live in interesting times though. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, things currently are being set in place that uh, I haven't seen before. They're kind of shaping our future. And, and in a lot of ways, it's kind of, there's darkness coming across the earth. It's a bit morbid, isn't it? But it kind of is. You know, I, I would agree in some ways that we're seeing more and more that there's this wonderful, we're celebrating equality and acceptance. But as a Christian, it's actually getting more difficult to live a life as a Christ follower. Wouldn't you agree? It's tougher than it was before and it has been before. You know, we're changing society and it's, it, it's happening quickly. It was only, man, not that long ago that the thought of changing the definition of marriage 
you just wouldn't have said that would have happened, right? Maybe not even a decade ago. Who would have thought that our children and grandchildren would be taught in school that they're neither male nor female? We're talking about that now. Can't call them male or female. They've got to decide that. It was only while we are in Canada, October, around October last year, that there was uh, parents in Canada that refused to call their baby girl a girl. And they, they wouldn't fill out the paperwork and they wouldn't tick a box. They said, no, 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 we won't call our child what they are. We're going to let her decide. She was a girl. Any, anyone could tell. <laughs> She's a girl. I'm not having a go, but we're in interesting days, right? Drugs are being legalised and laws that once protected society are now changing across the earth. Some of you are thinking, man, dad needs to be here right now. <laughs> we're fast becoming a pagan nation. You know, in 2006, there was 16% of the nation in the census that said that they had no religion. 10 years later, 2016, 30%. That's, 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 not, that's 10 years, so that's not even the time of a whole lot of new generation of voters. That's the same people going from believing in something to not. No religion. There's a trend there and it's, it's increasing. The threat of violence, nuclear war even, hatred between humanity is at its highest in my lifetime. We're in interesting days. Talking about revolution. It's quiet in here. <laughs> the Google definition of revolution, if you Google it, there's a varying sort of definitions, but basically they define it in the same way. It's a, it's a forcible overthrow of a government or social order in favour of a new system. That's what it is. We're called to be revolutionaries. You're going, yeah, I think so, but some of what you're saying is concerning. <laughs> it is a little. For some of us. Jesus was a revolutionary, right? And you'll get to him in this series. But, uh, and he did. He came to bring about a revolution. And he started with a few people. And uh, early in his revolutionary journey, he took them up the hill for an intensive. And he spoke to them about revolution. In fact, he said, I've come to initiate something here and you're then to take it on and fulfill it, be revolutionaries. And he spoke to him and I'm reading from Matthew 5 on the Sermon on the Mount. And in verse 13, he says this, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall it be sat at saltless, the saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do a people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, this is for us. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give your glory, the glory to the Father who is in heaven. That's revolution. And that's a call to revolutionaries to make a change, to not be hidden. It's a call to stand up, to speak up, to lead a charge, to bring about a revolution. This revolution was spoken about hundreds of years earlier and is our focus today. It was spoken to the prophet Daniel. And he, and he, and he spoke it out and he, said, he spoke of a kingdom that would be established while he was captive. He spoke of a kingdom that would not be destroyed, never ever. And he spoke of a saviour who would come and bring authority, honour and sovereignty over all the nations of the world. Daniel was a revolutionary himself. I think that's why you've put him on the list. I know why I'm speaking about him today. He was. His life for us is an example to follow. Let's turn to Daniel. After, which one is it, Ezekiel? Or? Yes, it is. Good memory, right? You with me? Don't worry, it's going to get better. It's going to get a little bit more comfortable in a little while. To recap this story, Daniel was a young man of Judah's royal family and he was taken captive by the Babylonians and he remained captive for 70 years, a prisoner, 70 years. Basically, the entirety of his life was in captivity. He was a prisoner through four different kings and two different kingdoms, the Persians and the Babylonians. And he was, he was forced for the first three years that he was taken from royalty into captivity, he was forced for three years to a point where his civil and social liberties were stripped away, taken from him. He was no longer free. He was forced to eat, drink, sleep, talk, live how he was told to. It was imposed upon him. It wasn't something he had a choice in. He had to do what he was told. He was surrounded by magicians and sorcerers and some of the darkest people of the time surrounded him and the might of an incredibly powerful pagan empire. They were given new names, new dress, new language, everything stripped away. You now do what you're told. So it was Daniel and, and the cream of the Judah's Young men were forced into a pagan culture without any prospect of freedom, thought, or religion. Revolutionary. You know, over the Christmas break, uh, we took a, an extended leave, and uh, for Christmas, Erica got me this book. I've got to read it because the, the title's amazing The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. I knew it when I saw it. Thank you, Erica. Churchill's Mavericks Plotting Hitler's Defeat. Has anyone read that book? You're going to go get it. It's a wonderful biography. But it basically is a story of some of Britain's most intelligent, brave men and women that created and used weapons of sabotage. And they created and came up with these most deadly kind of weapons that would be used behind enemy lines to sabotage the work of the enemy. Good book, right? I'm still enjoying it. Great stories of these men and women that came up with brilliant ideas to kill people. Isn't that wonderful? 
So glad I read it on my sabbatical. I'm coming back to give people life. <laughs> Great book. It's funny, as I'm still reading this, I'm reading Daniel, right? And uh, I kind of had this thought, why didn't Daniel do some sabotage? I mean, he is the most intelligent, most well-equipped, trained young men who have got on their side. They could have done a little bit of sabotage. I thought, that's just me, not you. You wouldn't think thoughts like that. But I had that thought. I thought, why didn't they do that? Why didn't they use their intellect and their brilliance to sabotage the enemy while they were there? Like, just come up with some great ideas just to cause a little bit of pain and, and help their cause. I mean, that would have been, I'm sure that would have landed in the Bible if they had done so, right? And Dan, Daniel's, though, is not celebrated in that way a revolutionary that sabotaged. You know, a revolutionary, hear this, is as much, you're as much a revolutionary for what you don't do and say as what you do do and say. Can I say that again? You're as much a revolutionary for what you don't do and say than for what you do do and say. You can write that down and think about that later and Today, and looking at Daniel as an example, I want to focus on what, a little bit more on what he didn't do and say to bring a king and a kingdom to their knees to a point where they acknowledged and worshipped the God of all eternity. So we love to celebrate how Daniel refused to eat pagan food and ate vegetables, and I'm mostly vegetarian, apart from when meat is placed before me. <laughs> and how we, no, I do eat a lot of vegetarian. Thank you, HelloFresh, and Erica makes the orders and I don't get a choice in the matter. I'm under captivity. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, and we know him as well as the person who refused to bow down and worship the idols, the pagan gods. He's resolute in that. But we don't often focus on what he didn't do and say. In fact, we've turned his diet into books <laughs> and now we have to do the Daniel diet every time we want to fast possibly because it's the easiest solution is to just not eating I don't know all the vegetarians go yeah come on bring on that diet I'll do it every day of the week <laughs> so Daniel was given food wine and drink by his Babylonian oppressors and in Daniel Chapter 1, verse 8, I want, to, I want to read how he responded to this oppression, to this him and his liberties and freedoms being taken from him. It says in verse 8, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or, or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile him, himself. And God gave Daniel favour and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my, my lord, the king, who assigned you your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So he would endanger my head and, 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 and with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths 
who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So we listened to them in the matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the ewes who are on the king's food. This is, this is wonderful news. Fatter in the flesh. So the stewards took away their food and wine and they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for the four youths, God gave them learning and skill in literature and wisdom in Daniel and in understanding of all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king commanded them that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, there was none to be found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Mishael and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters they were in his, in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. As I said, he made it all the way through. Seventy years in captivity. Incredible, right? What defiance by Daniel. What brave courage to defy the king in such a way. But I want to look at, again, what was the revolutionary act? As I looked into this passage here, it was in verse 8 for me. It wasn't an act of violence or resistance, but in verse 8, it says that therefore he asked. It's very passive aggressive. He asked. He didn't post on social media the health benefits of eating a vegetarian diet or going on the Daniel fast. He didn't poison his pagan peers. He didn't pass judgment or criticism to the Babylonian ways, underground newsletter. He didn't even start an online petition. He did none of that. Verse 8 says he asked. And verse 9, what happened? It says, And God gave Daniel favour and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. So God blessed his asking of permission. It's what he didn't do and say that led to God granting him heavenly favour and blessing. In fact, verse 12, it's really interesting how he describes himself to his oppressors. He says, Test your servants. Test me, he could have said, but he said, test your servants and deal with your servants according to what you see. Matthew 20. Turn there for a moment. Jesus, again, the disciples are convinced that a revolution is coming. They will overthrow the Roman oppressors and their religious aggressors. And they'll take hold of Jerusalem again and it'll be like the days of old. And in fact, the disciples were so gripped with this thought, they actually had started to think about and argue about their position in society in this new kingdom. And in fact, James and John's mother came and they said, came to Jesus nearing the end. And he said, you know what? I can see that you're going to establish a kingdom. Can I ask that my sons will be either side of you in a place of prominence? place of strength. And it's interesting how Jesus responds. He says this from verse 25. 
Jesus called to them and said, so he gets the disciples together and he goes, this is how it's gonna play out, guys. Hear this. This is what kingdom looks like. This is what a revolutionary act looks like. And he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over you. Yes, we know that. We know about our freedom, our social, civil liberties that have been stripped away. We know how that happens. He goes, yeah, you know how they do that. And they're great ones that exercise authority over you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, we know that. Yep, we see what's coming. It shall not be so among, among you. Oh, no, hang on, what? No, no. But whoever would be great among you must first be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Oh, this is not going well. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Hang on a second. We're revolutionaries. We've come to set up kingdom and power and dominion, right? Can I make this bold statement that the greatest opposition to God's eternal kingdom and revolution coming to earth are those that hold fast to religious ideals, judgment and defiance. Not those that come with compassion and mercy dressed as servants. Jesus also said in Matthew 7, and back again at the intensive with the leaders, making plans for the future. And he says in the, the, the Passion Translation, chapter seven, verse one, refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others and judgment will not be passed on to you for you'll be judged by the same standard that you use to judge others. I don't understand. Back to Daniel. Chapter two, are you with me? The pagan king Nebuchadnezzar has some dreams and prophetic visions. And, the, and it's basically the flow of history over the centuries, even to the times that we're at now. Those dreams upset the, the king greatly. And he calls, he grit with fear, he calls in all these enchanters and sorcerers and those that deal in demonic evil acts, right? And he calls them in and he goes, tell me, tell me firstly what my dream was and then interpret it for me. Rough call. Rough call on any day, right? And the Babylonian wise men think the exact same thing. They come back and they respond to the king and explain that it, the impossibility of his request and state that no one could ever fulfill this request except the gods themselves. They're saying basically to him, it's completely unreasonable for you to make that request. Who could do that? They're kind of boldly defiant in some ways to say this is completely unreasonable. How could you ask? Because of this, the king responds with anger filled and decides that he's going to kill them and kill every other wise person in the kingdom. And this obviously includes Daniel and his friends. This is completely unjust. Has anyone had an unjust event happen to them? Our whole sabbatical break was littered with it. Couldn't believe it. Every hotel, you know, we went for a rental car in Uluru, booked it on Webjet, $65 a day. I'm just having a rant. So unjust. 
And I go to pick it up, excited to travel out. I didn't realise Alice Springs is a long way from Uluru. And I, I'm here to pick up my $65 a day car. Oh, yes, and you get the first 100 kilometres free with that. I was, what? No, it's $65 a day. No, 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 it's every... And I'm like, where, am I going to drive around Alice Springs? I'm here to... Yes, yeah, sorry, sir. Hundreds of dollars, please. Oh, if you want to see Ryan on fire, just commit an unjust act. <laughs> this was an unjust act. Daniel and his mates has not, had not yet been given the opportunity to actually have a go at this issue. But their lives were also at the mercy of the king. And it says in verse 14 of chapter 2, that the king goes out and he's, he's so angry and furious that he commanded that all the wise men of the ba- Babylon be destroyed. So to the, the, verse 13, the decree went out and wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. They've done nothing. How unjust. He's being polite. He asked the question. He hasn't poisoned their food He hasn't responded with defiance. He's done nothing. He hasn't even had the opportunity yet to help. So unjust. And Daniel responds, well, well, the knife is at his neck. Well, his life is about to be taken along with his friends. He manages to just get out a few words and he says, then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. What? Prudence and just, you've got a knife to your neck, man. And he said to the captains of the guard, what, what, what has happened? What's gone out across Babylon? He declared to Europe, the king's captain, and when, when the decree of the king so urgent, what, what's going on? He just wants to, before his life ends. And Dan, Daniel went in and he said, just as the knife kind of eases the way, just so they can explain why they're about to murder him, is there a point of time that he might show the, the interpretation to the king? He's asking the question again. Could I have the opportunity with prudence and discretion? Prudence and discretion. What? See, the other sorcerers, they made accusations. They said, how can you ask for such an unreasonable thing? Daniel asked with a question instead of an accusation. An accusation is a comment, charge, or claim that someone has done something illegal or wrong. That's what they came with. What you're asking is completely wrong. It's unreasonable. It's accusation. And I find that an accusation always has judgment attached to it. Have you noticed that? It's got a stinky tail. Lies and corrupt words usually follow accusation. Have you ever noticed that come out of your own mouth? In verse 8, it's really interesting. If we go back to how the other guys, sorcerers and magicians, responded, the king answered and said, you know what's certainly that you are trying to gain more time because you see the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there, there is but one sentence for you. He's threatening them. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words until times change. Oh, we, we, 
we spend a lot of time passing judgment and accusations and judgment. And the way that we try to kind of fill the blanks is we put in lies and corruption. We build up this darkness in the space where there should be light and accusation goes to a dark place, ultimately to death. Accusation, judgment, lies and corrupt speech are all weapons of the enemy and it never produces life. Never has, never will. The second revolutionary act that Daniel sets as an example to us is ask questions before you make accusations. What's going on instead of this is what's happening? So easy to pass judgment and reach to social, you know, to react to social pressures and opposition, even to our own life with fear, anger, and hatred. But when we withhold judgment, we find life and we share life. From here, Daniel took his death threat to God. It's interesting how he prayed. And his prayer is somewhat similar to how Jesus told us to pray. Not these are all the situations and here's my opinions and let me present to you my arguments. But in fact, he just says, your kingdom come and your will be done. Read there, verse 20 and onwards. He then goes and interprets the dreams and speaks about to the king and he knows it in his heart as king. That's why he's fearful. And, and Daniel speaks about an eternal kingdom that will never, ever end. Nothing can stop it. Verse 44. And finally, in closing, the pagan king, Daniel's enemy and oppressor, responds with this. Verse 46, then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel. And he commanded that the offerings and incense be offered to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honours, many great gifts and made him ruler over all the province of Babylon. Back to Jesus, speaking about being a revolutionary. Matthew 5, back at the mountain. It says in the same way, this is for you and I, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. You and I are called to be revolutionaries. Amen. It's just not what we say and do, it's what we don't say. What we don't do, our actions, our behaviour, is the very thing that actually our good works that reveal a God of love, an eternal God that has come to redeem and save all of humanity. It's not our judgment, it's not our accusations, it's not our defiance, 
but it's the love of Christ. It's His mercy, His kindness that reveals God to man. Man to God. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.